0: Coming up on this episode of Inside the Epicenter.
1: And it's important, just like we say, it's not either or. God loves Jews and he's not for the Arabs or, you know. No, that's not true. He's, He's for both. But it's also true, God does care for the powerless and the poor and the vulnerable and the widow and the orphan. And often, this is what Jesus and the apostles and the prophets all spoke
0: of. 2021. What a tumultuous year in the epicenter. Wars, rumors of wars, pandemics, a perfect year to start a new podcast. Hi, I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and welcome to this very special episode of Inside the Epicenter podcast with Joel Rosenberg. I'm joined by Joel Rosenberg, our founder and co-host with me on this podcast joel uh looks like you're in a beautiful location i think we're uh we have some really exciting things going on here don't we
1: we do it's great to be with you carl for this end of the year podcast yes you're right what a year this has been um At the moment, I'm not in Israel, though I could be. You've got palm trees behind me and lovely running water and a brook. Uh, But I'm actually in Simi Valley, California, as you and I record this. I'm speaking tonight at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library on my new book uh, that came out in the fall, Enemies and Allies. And I'm just encouraged by how – Enemies and Allies, uh, just in the last few months, became a national bestseller and has been more and more um, – we've been invited to speak about the book on all kinds of media outlets but also at really interesting places. And, and the Reagan Library is a fascinating place. Uh, President Reagan had both uh, triumphs and uh, real tragedies in the Middle East, in his own uh, presidency. And so to be able to talk about this book there and what it means for the future of Israel, the Arab Muslim world, the Iranian threat, and of course U.S. relations and strategy in the Middle East uh, is really quite an honor and uh, I think it speaks well to uh, what Joshua Fund is doing on our educational side, what uh, All Israel News and All Arab News is doing uh, because this book really comes out of my experiences uh, leading the Joshua Fund on these delegations, uh, evangelical delegations into the Middle East, and the work we're doing on the um, on the news sites. So I'm excited to be in Simi Valley and uh, and looking forward to that. I think we probably will uh, run that talk in 2022 on on one of our upcoming uh, podcasts.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic, and so excited to have. Uh, this opportunity, what God has opened up this year. I mean, it's been remarkable, Joel, with much to cover in this podcast, much to look back on, much to look forward to. I mean, I think God is doing something incredibly remarkable for us at this stage. So
1: you're right. If you dial back even to the end of 2020 with uh, the breakout of peace, right, the Abraham Accords, for arab Arab-Israeli, peace treaties and normalization treaties we haven't seen anything like that in in a quarter of a century and never have we seen four arab countries within weeks of each other make peace with israel that's huge and it's having ongoing implications we've talked a lot about it as we've covered the uh, enemies and allies book and these things but, of course, we had in May, you'll recall, we, we had uh, 4,500 rockets fired at Israel from uh, Palestinian terrorists in Gaza that, uh, you know, most people go through their whole life there. Nobody shoots a missile at them. Um, <laughs> I, I've lived in Israel seven years and I, I've lost track of how many uh, rockets and missiles. I think we're somewhere over 10,000 wow. just in the last couple of years, so probably at 15,000 or more. Since I moved to Israel, think about that. Just that's just crazy. And then you look at uh, Iran, just potentially now weeks or months away from being able to build a bomb. As you and I record this, the world is trying to reopen negotiations in Vienna uh, with Iran. But uh, you know, like uh, there doesn't seem to be any hope at the moment of a diplomatic solution. I'm not saying God can't do it, and a diplomatic solution, if it's a good one, is better, much better, vastly better. Than war, but right yeah. now, as we end 2021, the chances of a diplomatic solution to the Iran nuclear threat; those chances are dropping, yeah. and the chances of war are actually growing. Yeah. So, um, those are things that concern me deeply.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing is for sure that 2021 proved that the epicenter is indeed the epicenter, uh, and that there is much of world history hanging on what's taking place in Israel and the neighboring countries right now.
1: That's right. I mean, Just think of a couple of other examples. If the things you and I just mentioned weren't enough, right? Dayenu, this alone would be enough, uh, we say in Hebrew. Uh, we had the fall of Benjamin Bibi Netanyahu and his government being the longest serving prime minister in the history of Israel. We had the fall of Donald J. Trump in a, in a highly contested, still contentious, presidential election and thus the rise of naftali bennett a fairly unknown to the rest of the world prime minister young prime minister 49 years old in israel the rise of uh, and by the way the youngest prime minister in the history of israel and then joe biden becoming president the oldest elected president in the history of the united states it's just a lot of change right yeah. a lot of change and i think your idea of launching a podcast and calling it Inside the Epicenter uh, was a stroke of genius, uh, inspiration from the Lord. Because look, I- I'm stunned. I-, I will tell you this. I've loved doing this with you, Carl, and I think this is the gift that keeps on giving in terms of material. But when you and your team informed me that we've had 2.57 million <laughs> views and listens in just the first year, over yeah. two and a half million, I, I, you know, that is just a shocking. Uh, Number to me And it tells me There's a lot more interest In credible uh, Biblical worldview Understanding and analysis Of what's happening In the Middle East And North Africa Than even I would have realized And this is what I do
0: Yeah Well it's absolutely staggering As you said And and honestly Another thing that Our producers told us uh, Earlier Was that we're in the top 3% of all podcasts Worldwide uh, I don't know about you, but if I get a 97% grade on my test, I feel pretty good. And I feel like God has just opened up this opportunity, like you said, for literally millions of listens to the podcast that we have here. And and I want to just encourage all of our listeners to continue to share and spread the, you know, use social media or whatever you use to share this podcast link with anyone. Because I do believe, Joel, what you speak about, what we have our guests speak about, uh, this year has been so instructive and so helpful for people to interpret what's going on. I mean, we we often say we look at the Middle East and say, what in the world is going on uh, in this most crucial of places around the world. And I think this podcast really helps people see that.
1: I agree. And I love podcasts. I mean, I mean, young people tend to love them. But I think older people, uh, older, I'm sort of maybe in the middle, at fifty four at the moment, but one of the things I find in the fast paced global environment is that i don 't of course i 'm not in the United States, so i can 't just sit and watch television or listen to a radio program um, from people that even that I trust, much less the other side <laughs> in real time it 's just not possible, so podcasts at least allow me on one side of the planet to listen to what other people are saying and thinking on the other side of the planet, not just west but east as well. And what we're finding, I think, is that we're seeing multiple people from multiple countries, not just the United States and Canada. Uh, I'm not sure if we have an update on how many uh, countries, but if we don't, when we kick off in 2022, we'll, we'll get that number. But, but I think what we're finding is people who are hungry to know and to understand, you, you can't put them in one city or one town. Wherever they are, the question is how can they find credible, biblically-based Teaching, analysis, understanding of what's happening and why it matters, and how we should pray and how we should respond. And I, you know, if you're if you're a um, a pastor in Africa or a a ministry leader in Asia or wherever, um, we hope that we can be a resource for you. Even if you're the only person in your country or in your town, but if you've got English speakers that you know that are saying, "Yeah, I actually don't know whom to trust," right? What the media is so biased and So many ministries focus on one side or the other, but trying to get an understanding of the big picture. And so many people are avoiding the topic of prophecy. I think we'll do more topics, uh, discussions of prophecy in 2022. I'm excited about that. But I think it's not healthy for so much of the church to be avoiding the topics when those prophecies deal with Israel and the Middle East primarily. And um, so much of this stuff is coming to play right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I – I know that we're going to, later in this podcast, talk about the things that we're leaning into and looking forward to for 2022. Um, I know that there's so many exciting dimensions of what this podcast and the whole Joshua Fund uh, ministry is looking forward to in 2022. We want to get to that. But if you don't mind for just a minute, I thought it might be good for us to to kind of look back over the highlights, your highlights over this podcast year, kind of the things that we've covered. and maybe, you know, highlight a couple of those things for everybody. I've got my list and maybe uh, after you share yours, I'll share mine and uh, see how much overlap we have there.
1: Well, on this podcast specifically, one of my favorite conversations this year uh, was when you and I sat down with uh, Andrew and Noreen Brunson. Mm -hmm. Um, Their story is so incredible. Uh, He being a pastor, arrested and imprisoned for two years by the Turkish government. And uh, the United States government at the highest levels, not just the Secretary of State, not just the Vice President, but also the President of the United States, pressing, pressing, pressing the Turkish leadership, and particularly Turkish President would be Zultan uh, Recep Erdogan, pressing him. You've got to release this evangelical pastor. He's done nothing wrong. You don't have a case. He's an American citizen. You're supposed to be an American ally. You're a mem- member of NATO, and you're holding him hostage. Now let him out. And the stress, the trauma that Andrew went through uh, almost broke him. Uh, in, in many ways, it did break him, actually, but God was merciful. Noreen, that the pressure, spiritual warfare, the, the emotional pressure of seeing her husband in prison and uh, in danger of going to prison for the rest of his life with no way out – That was just an amazing story in how God took care of them but also superintended a lot of geopolitical, legal, economic uh, events. The Economist magazine uh, described Andrew Brunson as the most expensive prisoner or hostage in the history of Europe. Uh, You had Andrew Brunson's – because of the economic sanctions that President Trump imposed, it cost uh, Turkey $40 billion. And they still didn't let him out. Until eventually, But that story I thought was so important. I tell that story uh, in Enemies and Allies, and of course I refer, as we did in the podcast, to Andrew's book God's Hostage, which I highly recommend. But that's a wonderful uh, example, I think, in what this podcast can do. People that you and I know personally that we have an opportunity to sort of take our listeners into a conversation with people whom God has chosen to put at the center of the center of the fight – yeah. Right, Arguably, Andrew Brunson might be the most famous evangelical, at least American evangelical, in the Middle East because of this crisis. And it drew an enormous amount of a movement, really, a global movement of prayer for Turkey and for uh, the broader Muslim world. So I hope that you and I can do more interviews. I've loved the conversations we've had Laying yeah. out what is an evangelical and why do evangelicals love Israel? Where's is that coming from biblically? And is God done with the Jewish people or not done? And why do we say he's not done? But also, uh, I think one of my favorite uh, ones was uh, do evangelicals hate Palestinians and Arabs? And of course, the answer is no, but there's a lot of people that think the answer is yes. And so, I would, mm-hmm. so covering some of those, um, I would almost say, primer, basic, like 101, 201 type topics. And to build on those, I thought, has been really encouraging. But I look forward also to doing interviews like we did uh, with Andrew and Noreen because I think we uniquely have an opportunity to kind of bring people into the room with us. And that was a really fascinating conversation, one absolutely worth sharing. I I think it's one of the the best shows that uh, God let us do uh, this year. Yeah.
0: No, I I totally agree. And I have some other ones that uh, also – yeah, we what's on released, your list? Yeah, my list. <laughs> and take this well, a couple of them are not with you on the, on the podcast. So, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> number 1 on that list was when we heard Lynn's story, when Lynn gave her uh yeah. testimony and and how, you know, she along with you were part of the founding of the Joshua Fund and really, you know, in so many of the the important, crucial and and uh, significant aspects of Of the Joshua Fund work and your work uh, with kings and princes and sultans and and, uh, sheikhs. Lynn's been right there. And to get that perspective from Lynn was, I think, really, really rich and rewarding. And then also to hear uh, I remember the podcast we did with Joe. But you know, Carl,
1: I can't say that my wife's uh, podcast was my favorite. It's true, but I, you know, I had to go with somebody else, but I'm glad that you said it. That's nice.
0: (laughs) I wanted to make sure that we didn't go around you know, and and talk about our favorite episodes and not include your (laughs) wife. So I want to make sure you were covered. But I also really enjoyed the podcast uh, we did with uh, Jonah and uh, Leor from our humanitarian aid work. And I was really moved. I was really moved at points in that podcast to just understand what God does in using the simple gift of love through humanitarian aid to bless Israel and the neighboring countries. And that really blessed me. So yeah,
1: no, I think that's a good point and I, and I think that when we hear from the staff of what they're seeing on the ground um, we, we hear a, a wonderful perspective often I'm giving kind of a global 30,000 foot or, or if I dive in it's sometimes though I'm diving in I'm, I'm taking our listeners in to the most powerful and influential people in Israel and the region because they matter to God too and what they do what they decide affects everybody but when we talk to our field staff and our you know our ground staff they're often dealing with the most powerless and poor people in society not always but often because that's a large part of what we do and this this is God's heart too and yeah. it's important just like we say it's not either or Jews God loves Jews and he's not for the Arabs or you know it, no that's not true he's he's for both and But it's also true God does care for the powerless and the poor and the vulnerable and the widow and the orphan. And often, you know, I mean this is what Jesus and the apostles and the prophets all spoke of. In fact, we we remember, right, the famous Jerusalem council where they they give the blessing to Paul and say this is how you should handle some of these controversial issues. But we also want you to remember you got to care for and remember the poor. Yeah, That's important. But it's also important – that leaders at every level of society, government, business, entertainment, whatever, these are people that God cares about too. They don't need a bag of food or a bag of diapers or <laughs> you know clothes. They don't have any material issues. But they have spiritual needs and they have other issues. And I think that Joshua Fund, in ways that we did not think of it honestly 15 years ago when we started, God has been leading us in, the, in so many different sectors and strata – in Israel and the region. And I did not see that
0: coming when we
1: started. Yeah.
0: But we should do more
1: interviews with the staff. That's true. Absolutely.
0: Well, I think we will lean into that. And as I said, you know, some of the ways in which God has given us this year as a foundation is really helpful to set the stage for why those things matter and how those two different parts of the work that we do are very important. The work that you do uh, with the political and social and religious leadership of these countries, uh, speaking, you know, the truth in love to those folks that, that have the opportunities to create whole environments for people to live and work and move in. And then also working with the poor, working with those that, that have no power, have no power politically, but have the heart of God. And, um, Uh, I love being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's one of the biggest blessings that I get as the executive director of the Joshua Fund, to to really see how the investments that people make in our ministry get lived out in ministry to pastors and poor people, both Arabs, Israelis, and those in the neighboring countries as well. Hey, um, I want to take a quick break right now, Joel, and just give— give a couple things that we're going to take a quick break on. And when we come back, I want us to to really look at what God did this year and how he's guiding us and directing us towards the future. So uh, in a second, we'll come back and and hit those things.
1: Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg. If you've enjoyed this podcast, let us know. Go to joshuafun.com and use the Contact Us form to provide feedback. Likewise, if you'd like this podcast to continue, you can donate through our giving page, and you can find that link in the upper right hand corner
0: at joshuafund.com. Well, Joel, I am thrilled to say that 2021 was uh, while a crazy year on so many fronts, politically, socially, and even the you know, amidst wars and pandemics. It was a very significant and positive year for the Joshua Fund. We saw so many amazing measures of success. And the way that God used this podcast and various other ways for people to get involved in the message and the ministry of the Joshua Fund, I'm just blown away. I know that some of the things that uh, you've seen have been part of that as well. So, you know, look back a little bit on 2021 as we close out this year with this podcast What are some of the highlights for the ministry year that you've seen?
1: Yeah, uh, well, let's start by reminding our listeners that the Joshua Fund uh, has several different components to it, right? So what you're tuned into this podcast is part of our educational mission. The question is, how do we help educate and mobilize uh, the church around the world, certainly North America, but all over the world, to understand the biblical basis of God's heart for Israel and her neighbors and our obligation, our responsibilities in Christ to bless and to minister and to encourage, first of all, our brothers and sisters in Christ in the epicenter, but also those who don't know the Lord yet and and need to hear. How are they going to believe if they haven't heard? How are they going to hear if nobody tells them? How is somebody going to tell them unless they're sent? And how are they going to be sent unless they're prayed for, recruited, trained, funded and so forth. So education is a big part of this. And again, there are some wonderful brothers and sisters all over the world who do really get this stuff. And uh, we've been having such a wonderful time partnering with them, ministering with them, but also trying to figure out how can we equip them? How can we provide resources? The podcast is one of them. But one of the things that has really uh, encouraged me, um, because it's gone so far past my expectations, is a couple of years ago when we hired uh, a new director of education and communications, a great young guy, uh, Chris Free. He, as he began to learn what we do and in, in the more nuances, he, he had a good understanding from the outside. But once he got in, he sort of went into the vault, right? And he started saying, "Wow, we got we got like thousands of hours of conference videos of really." sharp, uh, solid Bible teachers and great evangelicals, we have Arab believers, we have Jewish believers, we have believers from all over the planet that we've done epicenter conferences in the Philippines, we've done them in Germany, we've done them in Jerusalem, we've done them all over the United States. He goes, this, a lot of this material is sort of collecting dust, as it were, in the vault. But this material is evergreen, right? Yeah, some of it had to do with the actual event in that town, at that city, at that time. But a lot of it, these are important concepts. How can we, you know, (coughs) dust it off and cut it up and and get it out there in short form video online? Just a couple of things. So we've had 230,000 hours of video watched. Now, by Chris and his colleagues sort of going, what are the gems here? Let's cut it up and make it digestible, but let's get it out there. That's 6.8 million views. Some of these are of conference clips from 5, 10, 15 years ago almost. And um, to think of people watching, well, almost a quarter of a million hours worth of this material in five, six, seven-minute bites – tells me something, and it tells me that there is a much deeper hunger for solid Bible teaching and explanation of what's going on, not just of the moment-to-moment, what's going on in Iran, what's going on in the, you know, Sometimes um, I spend so much time on that that Chris came along and, and reminded me some of the basic teachings that you, you've already done. In your mind, you've already covered that, but it's new to a lot of people. Yeah. So that's just, I think, an area in our educational ministry yeah. that um, I didn't know we would see that level of success. I was for him doing it, but I just didn't see that kind of uh,
0: response. Well, you know, it's amazing. Uh, we've had a growth on, on many, many fronts on this kind of thing. We're we're seeing the growth. You, you mentioned it about the videos and, of course, the podcast we talked about earlier. You know, we've seen um, more and more people signing up for our newsletters and, participating with us financially who've who've stepped into the gap over the last year we we had over 20 percent more households growth in uh, numbers of donors i mean
1: i mean 20 percent in a, in, a, in a, at any time in a ministry is good but in a pandemic it's kind of surprising
0: it's crazy and i really believe that people have come out of the woodwork as we've been able to expose more of them to some of the material that's there who, who've really said, yes, I want to align my heart with what God is doing through the Joshua Fund. And, you know, many, many of us in the U.S. don't have the opportunity. I know myself, it's been a real struggle. I have not yet been able to go to Israel over this last year. And over the last year, I think a lot of people said, hey, we we can't go, but we want to give. And we want to stand with people uh, who are doing the work that, that you guys are doing
1: right? We almost have to adapt our motto, which is learn, pray, give, and go. And now we're sort of like learn, pray, give, and learn, pray, give. Like like going is not an option at the moment. It's not
0: necessarily an option right now. Over the last 12 months, we had an increase of over $1.1 million given to the Joshua Fund over the prior 12 months. Now, honestly, Joel, in the midst of a pandemic, I would never have expected the generosity of God's people to be so uh, remarkably demonstrated. And I believe it's because God is doing something remarkable with and through the Joshua Fund and through the work that, you know, he's called you to do, making this more known. Uh, I want to talk about some of the actual ministry things that we've done in Israel and in the neighboring countries, but those are some big wins that I see evidence of what God is doing.
1: And I think in an interesting way, it may, it may be tied to the pandemic. Okay, so we're living through an actual biblical contraction, Okay, right? Jesus spoke of in Matthew 24, Luke 21, also in Mark 13, uh, birth pangs, right? Well, what are the signs that you're getting closer to the return of Christ and the end of days, right? And one of them in Luke 21 is plagues. Right? You're going to have just horrific diseases rampaging across the world. This is a contraction, right? And with every contraction then comes a release. But this contraction, which is we've had minor releases, and then we go – like Israel, is, we went through four lockdowns. And we would lock down, and we'd have the contra- contraction, then we'd release. And every time you've tried to schedule your trips to come see us and be part of it, in the release moments, but no sooner have you booked – And a new contraction comes and god cutting off the ability for evangelicals to step into the land i think is having a corresponding effect with people saying listen the strategy that god god not us but god gave the joshua fund is the right one which is how do we fund encourage and strengthen national believers right people who live in the country not that we're opposed to the the, the work of missions but strengthening national believers pastors and ministry leaders is critical in every country because local people are chosen by God to reach their people right and the entire strategy of the Joshua Fund is how do we strengthen and fund as well as pray for and encourage the local church and now we see proof that the strategy was always right but it's proof when nobody can get in who's a foreigner like i'm a citizen Lynn is a citizen Lior is a citizen joan is a citizen so we can live there and we can leave and we can come back we have our own hoops to jump through in terms of uh, government uh, you know testing and vaccinations and all those issues but you can't come and this is suddenly you know you and I cut our teeth on a project in in college of taking bibles and doing evangelism in the former Soviet Union, a country that was officially closed to the gospel, but was just beginning to open in 1986 when we went. And you, for nine years, led a ministry called Open Doors. You, You were the North American branch of the Brother Andrew ministry, which was entirely based on how do you minister to people in countries that you mostly can't send a missionary, you can't go in, maybe you can visit, right. but you can't really, how do you strengthen the local believers? Well, and suddenly, because of COVID, the entire world is a closed country. Yes, that's right. Now they open and close and open and close, but the point is we are at a moment where if you're not in, running a ministry that's investing in local believers, that's right. you're stuck because your right. entire model is based on sending foreigners into a land that you you pretty much can't do right now now we hope it will reopen but every time we hope you know we're Lucy in the football at this point we just keep landing on our backs
0: Lucy in the football is great I actually feel that way directly you know when we were talking yesterday about going this time around and now this newest lockdown has has come about because of these variants and various other things and and I do believe that God is is using this in unique ways you know one win that I want to you know, highlight for our listeners is, is that we've adapted what we used to do in person for all of those local pastors. You know, over two-thirds to three-quarters of all the leadership of Messianic congregations in Israel and the West Bank would come once a year to a conference that we would run in Israel called Preach the word um, and we did this for uh, Messianic congregations, and we did it for Arabic congregations in the West Bank areas. And these conferences were remarkable times of, of encouragement and blessing and, and teaching. But, of course, with COVID, we were not able to do that the last two years. And this past year, we were able to produce a series of remarkable videos for use in the same groups. Now it doesn't take place at a beautiful hotel, giving people a refreshing weekend, but it is still a blessing to be able to give tools to the very people that we care most about. And I consider it a win to be able to deliver these evergreen teaching videos of expository teaching, and also you know, the expositional seminars that we do to train pastors in how to teach the word effectively. That ministry of the Joshua Fund, Preach the Word, has not stopped, even though we've had to change the means and methods that we use to get it done. And I consider the virtual development of the Preach the Word material a real win for the Joshua Fund. We're going to use that material for years to come, even when we get a chance to redo these conferences in person again.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Carl. I think that's a good one to camp out on for, for a few more moments. The Preach the Word slash Shepherd the Flock retreats that we've done over 10 years now, this is the 10th year, have been very encouraging. Um, First of all, it wasn't our idea. We were asked uh, 11 years ago, I guess, by some pastors, hey, you know, would you guys ever consider pulling people together and just, you know, having a time of worship and prayer and fellowship, but also teaching the word. And in an environment where we don't have to teach, we can come with our wives and be taught. Be refreshed. Uh, we don't have to do anything. We just have to be there. And we're like, well, sure. Um, yeah, now, it was staggering to be asked that because it seemed like it, it would have been presumptuous if we thought, well, well, why don't we come teach you? You know, it just seems to kind of not so much. But, you know, Israel's a very different culture, right? Obviously, and the Palestinian Authority is a very different culture than other communities like Uh, In Asia or Africa, where if if a top leader says, hey, we're going to invite people to come, come listen to these people from the outside, there's a great level of respect and even deference, perhaps. If you tell an Israeli or a Palestinian, hey, we're coming to teach you, like, good luck. You know, I'm the, you know, so (laughs) but that level of trust of doing it and of keeping it apolitical, we're not talking about the land in terms of the divisions, we're not talking about Netanyahu or you know, Yasser Arafat or Mahmoud Abbas or any of these other issues, which I talk about in other contexts maybe, this was a very healthy environment. And again, we weren't foisting expository preaching on anybody, but it's been a teaching style and a learning style that we have benefited from enormously. So the first year just going through the book of Titus, right? It's only three chapters, but just going through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter— Not only was it encouraging, it was about leadership, right, but it's also an approach to studying and teaching the Word of God that is not that common, actually, in Israel. And then the next year we just went through James, right, James written by the brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, with so much wisdom, just verse by verse, chapter by chapter, let's just go through it, just walk through it, what does the text say? We did First Thessalonians, and now we've been on this seemingly never-ending uh, series on Acts. Well, we'll just do two or maybe three chapters a year, and uh, we're uh, six years in now. And and of course, we look at the life of Paul. He was literally locked down. You know, we say, "Oh, locked down." Well, we're not literally in chains, um, though it feels that way sometimes. But what great, healthy stories, right, from the Word of God principles. That we've been blessed by and that we hear so many we get so many emails and personal conversations of pastors and ministry leaders and their wives who say this is just refreshing thank you like we feel like you're here to serve us not to lead us but to serve us and we wow. appreciate it we have, we know people right uh well you haven't met some of them yet but who tell us we mark that conference date that retreat date on our calendars like it's christmas like we're counting down So now for the last two years, not to be able to do it has been disappointing. But as you say, the technology and the team that God has assembled has allowed us, each of the teachers, myself included, to record those messages and sort of bonus material, like discussions that we have about specific topics. And the responses we're getting are really encouraging. But I do hope, I do pray, and I ask people to pray in 2022 that the Lord would lift this thing. And we could meet because, you know, the fellowship is so central to the biblical model and God's heart for us. We're relational people and we're all sort of starving for the opportunity to be together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I'm starving to meet some of the friends that I've made over this year, mostly know me as a Zoom box on their screen. And that's it. Another one that I really want our listeners to Understand, and we mentioned it before: is the humanitarian aid team, or our Amutah, the nonprofit we have in Israel, has grown this year. I mean, we've grown our staff. Uh, we've added uh, a new assistant director there, who's somewhat familiar to you, Jonah. Near and you're dear to my heart, Rosenberg. yes, my third
1: son, Jonah.
0: <laughs> and and that's I, I, I recused
1: myself from that conversation, <laughs> by the way. I, you did for the record, You did but indeed. Uh, but I'm glad that he was hired.
0: I think our listeners will be pleased to know that Jonah has uh, served in the IDF, uh, and he is uh, a man of remarkable skill, Uh, just got married, and his wife is also really familiar and very much ingrained in the Joshua Fund ethos of blessing Israel and the neighbor. She's worked on the West Bank. She's fluent in Arabic. Of course, Jonah is fluent in Hebrew, uh, and they're both fluent in English and and I think Cassandra is also fluent in Spanish, she which is, is a yeah, remarkable a thing background. as well.
1: We just spent the Thanksgiving holiday with her and her mom and, and her brother and, of course, Jonah and, and the rest of our family uh, out in Denver with my folks. And it was just such a lovely, you know, uh, fusing of these families. And we didn't even know that they were going to live in Israel. Like, you know, Jonah for a while because of the army just thought maybe I need a break, <laughs> you know. But his heart for serving the people and serving the church and serving the needy in Israel has been really a wonderful process to watch him grow in the Lord and in his own maturity. And Cassandra is a godsend. She, we told her uh, we were praying for you. We just didn't know it was you. But we've been praying away other people. If God, you know, we're just Lord, just put the the right woman in Jonah's uh, path and and vice yeah. versa. So uh, yeah, when you see your kids walking in truth, right? Uh, just like uh, your Apostle John, you know, you you just rejoice. It's such a joy, yeah. No greater joy. But the impact you're right, of the of the humanitarian relief, you know, the, the, I'm not sure if our listeners realize because of COVID, for all the other restrictions, uh, our team it was con- they were considered essential workers, so they didn't get locked down at all. They were the freest people in the entire nation of Israel, able to drive. Vans or you know, trucks worth of food and make these deliveries and help the local churches, congregations, continue their, their monthly uh, yeah. caring for the poor and needy and the vulnerable um, with not only without missing a step, but also it being more urgent than ever. Like, you know, it was uh, if you're a shut in <laughs> or let's say you're a young single mother, maybe you're a widow, a war widow because of terror or war. And, you know, you're trying to hold down a job but raise a few kids and and your job gets shut down. Maybe you were in the tourism business. Maybe you worked at a restaurant and now nobody's coming or they can't even open. What are you supposed to do? And the fear factor starts rising. You know, we've talked about this, Carl. I don't know we did it on the podcast. But I think that any of our listeners who have a good income or some significant savings or a job that's not affected by COVID – is having a very different emotional reaction to the last two years than someone who has no margin of error, probably is living in some debt and has a job that got shut down or eliminated entirely because of COVID. That's a scary place to live. And it means a ministry like this all the more. How can we help? And I think your heart for, you know, we already are caring for some 25, 2600 families in Israel. But yes, I think your heart to see that
0: grow is important. Yeah, no question. I look at what we've seen God do in our uh, humanitarian aid work is remarkable beyond whatever we're doing in our daily lives. I mean, most people don't realize that we have 21 distribution centers throughout 41 towns and reach all over Israel and the West Bank. And, you know, what's remarkable as well is that over 20,000 families last year received some form of our assistance on the humanitarian aid work. I mean, it's a really beautiful way that the, God is using the Joshua Fund to to expand the kingdom.
1: Right. So just to be clear, I want people to hear those numbers. 21 different distribution centers. 21. What does that mean? That Those are all church congregations, either Messianic Evangelical Jewish or uh, Evangelical Arab or a combo platter. It depends on the congregation. So we don't distribute the food directly. We we provide local congregations that have been vetted, that we have, or form partnerships with. We provide and enable them so they and their volunteers can be the hands and feet of Yeshua, of Jesus, caring in the local language with their local neighbors. Nobody knows the Joshua brand. The Joshua logo isn't on the bags. It's not on our trucks. Why? Because we're not trying to distract. We're the funders. We're, we purchase the stuff. We supply it to the local 21 different congregations, wow. but Great they're point. doing the work.
0: And, and you're
1: right. Some of these congregations are ministering in multiple towns and villages in their area. So you, you mentioned, I think, 40 or 41 Um, Different communities are being served. That's just an interesting thought, right? Now, it's not nearly enough. There's enormous need. Poverty is growing and rising because of the uh, COVID situation. But I just thought it was important to slow down for a second and just have people hear that. And two numbers you also use and I use. I think we were doing caring for about 2,600 families a month uh, roughly. But there are occasions like on a a Passover celebration or a Hanukkah celebration. By the way, Happy Hanukkah as we're uh, we're celebrating this week or at least the week we're recording. And um, there are families that receive special uh, care and packages at holiday season. So I think you mentioned there was over 25,000 families total that have received some sort of care. Yeah. And let's add one more. Tell people about what's happening in, in the pro-life ministry with, sure. with young moms.
0: Well, we have a partner that we work with in Israel who literally serves expectant single mothers who have a crisis pregnancy, not only with helping them through the trauma and, and counseling them through that experience, but also to keep the baby and they stand with those women and their babies for the next year and we we partner with them to provide resources about 15 to 1800 dollars a years worth of material help to that mother and her baby for that that year to provide them you know the basics of diapers and and formula and various other things as well as you know the encouragement to keep their child I think it's a remarkable dimension of our humanitarian work to recognize that that You know, humanity begins in the womb (laughs) and life is there. And we get a chance to stand with this incredibly important work that's going on in Israel. I I consider that a big win this year.
1: Yeah. Sadly, uh, abortion is not even a a political football in Israel. No, Uh, there's really not a major pro-life movement there. Every girl who serves in the Israeli army gets two free abortions because they just sort of expect everybody to be sleeping around and to need this. And uh, so um, even though there's not a political movement to push back at that, you know, it's, it's not a political it's decision. It's, it's Psalm 139, where David says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You, know, like you knew right. every day before it began, like you care about me and and, and right. you cared about me before I came out of the womb. That heart, that biblical heart, of caring for mothers uh, in need and and those babies that are being knit together so beautifully, so wondrously, that's a biblical calling. And uh, while we don't seem to have any ability to affect the political culture, we are standing with those moms and those babies. And that is, I agree. I think that is one of the most precious things. We don't talk about it that much. We maybe we should share more about it in the in, um, in, in the year ahead. Maybe do a program on that entirely because it's so. I don't think most evangelicals who love Israel realize that Israel's so liberal so in this area liberal. that yeah. they just um, they don't yeah. seem to care about these yeah. babies and and therefore we have to.
0: No, we do at the Joshua Fund. We stand alongside that organization and our partners there doing that great work. You know, I did want us to also talk about uh, another part of our work: uh, the neighbors, the neighboring countries. We call them the neighbors. Uh, you know, love your neighbors, and we love our neighbors. And what God has enabled the Joshua Fund to do last year, uh, again, during a time of COVID, is extremely remarkable. And I just want to thank you, Joel, for having the vision right at the beginning of the Joshua Fund that we were not just going to be about Israel, but we were also going to be like Jesus and be concerned about the neighboring countries, those that that represent the, the, the five countries surrounding Israel. Uh, many people would refer to them as enemies. But well, we know that God's uh, heart for those countries is huge, and we've been able to do some really neat things uh, this past yeah. year.
1: And you know, it's interesting about that, Carl, uh, in just chatting with the team that runs that side of things, which, you know, I don't want to get into the, some of the operation details are very sensitive, but it's a different team <laughs> that they have to operate different because if they were known to be connected to Joshua Fund or Joel and Lynn Rosenberg, or, you know it wouldn't be good for them but i would say that what's interesting is even though covid has been so bad in the region somehow in god's sovereignty that team that we love so much and we fund and encourage and help weren't blocked from any country uh, now syria is still so catastrophic chaotic uh it's uh the arabic word is fauda chaos. Uh, you can't go into Syria as as somebody from the outside. But we fund, I think we fund 80 pastors and ministry leaders in Syria. Now, we can't go see them, but some of them can come out to a neighboring Arab country and we can minister to them. And if I recall from some of the, the email correspondence that you and I have been having with that team, uh, just thinking about, I think, Every other country, they got to go and minister. I think one of the countries that was just at the end of 2020, but God did not block those doors. And so as hard as it's been for you and for our other North American team not being able to come into Israel— The startup nation, the high-tech nation, but whatever, these other countries have allowed um, our teams to come in and and minister, minister to women too, not just um, pastors themselves, but to Muslims who've come to faith in Christ and are trying to figure out their way, but also uh, retreats specifically for women. So that was not something that we were able to do at the beginning of the Joshua Fund 15 years ago, because we didn't have a woman on staff at that time on the neighbor staff who could go in and God has uh beautifully um, enabled that in recent years. And we're seeing just the consistency of, of, of those team members just being able to do a, a great job. And it's so encouraging.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely amazing, Joel, as you know, We did a women's conference this year for the first time to encourage, equip, and bring many women from a Muslim background to a situation, to a place where they could be encouraged. And I I tell you, while we have to be extremely secure in our conversation around this, it is one of the most beautiful and remarkable things that God is doing in this area. I won't even tell anyone uh, where that conference was or, or with whom it was. But it is remarkable to share with people that God is moving. He's doing something in these countries that we would not believe it, as the prophet Habakkuk said, if we were even told and shown it with our own eyes.
1: I agree. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's just important to underscore that, yes, generally speaking, men shouldn't be doing direct ministry with women. Jesus did. But Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God. We weren't we're worrying about him falling into sexual sin, or something so... Okay, but look at the women that followed Jesus, that were disciples. They didn't become apostles, but they were definitely disciples. They're the ones that didn't run away when Jesus went to the cross. They're the ones that came to the tomb to weep, to mourn the loss. Uh, many of these women in the in the Gospels, the text tells us, provided for their own travel and ministry out of their own means. They, they had enough resources financially to enable them to travel and they obviously had the support of their husbands or they were widows in cases or single but we look at the life of uh, the, the richness of ministry among women in the gospels and and the book of acts and we have to realize that often women are much more open to the gospel message and wanting to be faithful followers and sometimes they have more time they're also much more relational generally speaking than men, generally speaking. And so if you don't have a, a balanced ministry where you're equipping and strengthening and encouraging uh, the women, you're really missing uh, God's big picture. And and a healthy, godly woman becomes a great asset to her family, whether they know the Lord or whether they don't yet.
0: Well, I would encourage any of our listeners to you know check out some of the archives of stories we have on the Joshua Fund website to reflect that very thing you know where women have taken uh the gospel to their family or you know bring the opportunity to to connect with their family in a in a a unique way you know we'd love to share more in detail but uh security prevents us from giving more than just an overview on those things security and
1: unfortunately time but this has been a great podcast to wind up this year and i just want to tell people listen God is on the move and I hope you're hearing in some of these just little uh, snippets uh, that you're getting a picture of how encouraged we are that even in a region that has been so uh, beset with war and trauma and persecution – And uh, genocide just a few years ago in in several of the countries we minister in, Syria and Iraq, for example, uh, to see the implosion of modern Lebanon, to see the troubles uh, throughout the region, um, to see that is painful. But to see God moving, to see the church responding in love and kindness and compassion and in the power of the Holy Spirit in these dark places— seeing people listening to the gospel maybe they don't always say yes yet but they're listening more muslims more jewish people are listening and asking questions about the gospel message about the identity of Jesus whether he's the messiah the christ that you know was promised in the scriptures or not that's amazing and then the numbers of muslims and jews that are coming to faith are encouraging the number of people that are attending church and hungry look It's encouraging. I think one of the reasons the podcast is finding this audience of two and a half million plus is because it's hard to find people who talk about this stuff and who know it, who are living it. And I want to just thank you all who are listening, first for being a a subscriber and a listener to the podcast. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. But also those who are um, financially contributing to the Joshua Fund, because everything we're talking about unfortunately it's not free and the needs are growing therefore the expenses are growing and then we see opportunities of ways to blast and encourage and strengthen and minister that we can't yet do because we don't have the resources and that's with a million dollar increase this year but I want to thank you. I want to thank you for praying. I want to thank you, well, for learning and praying and giving. And I'm sorry that you can't go, but that's God. That's not us. We would take you if we could, but we can't yet. But I want to encourage you to pray about uh, maybe a a really significant end of the year gift, if you can. Look, uh, many of you are struggling too. We get it. Uh, We're not trying to be, you know, pressure you. We're just talking about opportunity. And we're excited. And we're excited about people who have given more. This year than they could in the past. Wonderful. Maybe they've got a job this year and last year they didn't, you know, or just feeling, you know, my sense of trust in the Joshua Fund is growing. And yeah, I'd like to help more. I see the opportunity. Whatever your situation is, we're grateful. Whether you're at the learning point or the praying point, um, if you're able to give, that's wonderful, and we'd appreciate it because we're excited by what God's doing. And the people on the ground have very limited resources. We outside, mostly North America, but in, certainly in Asia and other places, have resources, disposable resources, a resource beyond what uh, we need to just you know, subsist. And so uh, just uh, we ask you to pray about that and, and consider a, a, a year-end gift. Uh, Carl, I also want to just wrap, because um, I have to go give this speech. But I want to wrap by, and I'll give you the last word, of course. But I want to thank you, uh, because in your, you know, you're about 18 months on the job now as executive director, and you're doing a great job. You've really gotten to know the team. You've you really gotten to understand the, the both the ethos, the values that run this ministry, the core values, but also the challenges, and they are. They are legion. So um, it, you didn't come in during a slow period where nothing was cooking. And uh, on top of everything, you had this idea for doing a podcast for us to say, how do how can we share more of what we are seeing, what we know to be true with people all over the world? And uh, so uh, that's to me uh, at, at a moment of Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas. I want to say thank you and God bless you just as Jesus came into the world Uh, some 2,000 years ago uh, into what world? He came into Bethlehem, which is now the West Bank. It's now the Palestinian Authority. I teased some of my Orthodox Jewish friends. Listen, you guys gave away Bethlehem to the Palestinians. There aren't any Jews that live there. If the Messiah has not come by now, you've got troubles. Go read Micah (laughs) chapter 5, my friend. So, just saying, you know, hashtag (laughs) just saying. But Jesus is coming back and he's not coming back to Bethlehem. He's coming back to Jerusalem. We don't know when. We're not those type of people that are like, ooh, it's going to be tomorrow. But how can we make sure that everyone in that part of the world has at least heard the good news that Christ not only saves us from our sins and gives us eternal life, but is there as our friend, as our encourager, as our protector in a very tough world, a very dark time. We don't want to live alone. And we don't want to live with regrets from the past. We want the Lord to heal us and to forgive us and to shelter us amidst the storms of life that are pretty intense right now. Okay, maybe the storm is a little quieter today than it was yesterday. But tomorrow, you know, it could get much worse. And the Bible says it will get worse at some point. So thank you, Carl. You are helping us navigate uh, during a very challenging time. And uh, I just want to say thank you.
0: Uh, well, thank you, Joel, and uh, I think on behalf of our listeners, we all want to thank you for providing such an educational experience, such a, a guided tour, if you will, of God's work in the Middle East through the Joshua Fund, and and uh, so appreciate your your passion, your heart, and your insight uh, into these situations. And uh, again, thank you for a great year, first year of this podcast. Uh, it's been fun. It's been amazing. I cannot wait to start podcasting next year. Uh, we already have a number of these things that are already out there. We're ready to launch. I just want to get, encourage everyone who's listening to, to join us on this journey again next year for, for this podcast, uh, you know, Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. It's a ministry of the Joshua Fund. And I want to say for all of you listening, if you'd like to learn more about the Joshua Fund, go to our website at joshuafund.com. And there you'll hear much more about what we're doing in the Middle East, what God is doing through us in the Middle East to to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus, and how you can participate in the healing work we're doing in this critical region. And I want to just say as well, as the executive director, as Joel has mentioned, this is a crucial time of the year for us financially. This is absolutely the time when we get a chance to ask you to stand with us to give to the work that you've heard about and that you prayed about for this ministry. Your gift of 50, 100, or whatever you can give, either on a monthly or a one-time basis, will make an incredible difference in the lives of thousands and thousands of people in Israel and the neighboring countries. You know, there's not too many organizations that I know of that I've had the experience of working alongside that care about both Israel and the neighboring countries. And if that's you, if you care about those people that Jesus loves, then join us, walk with us, stand with us, and give, and pray. And maybe one day, like Joel said, go, (laughs) go. But uh, on behalf of all of our team at the Joshua Fund, uh, for Joel Rosenberg and Lynn Rosenberg, our founders, and for the many, many thousands of volunteers and partners that we have in the Epicenter, I wanna wish all of you a very, very Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, as Joel mentioned, and a blessed new year in 2022. May we trust God more in next year than we have ever done so before. And may we see him turn our prayers and our hopes and our dreams into reality as blessings for Israel and the neighboring countries. Again, for all of you who are listening, you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can always check the show notes. And again, for all of us at the Joshua Fund, I want to thank you. God bless you. This is Carl Muller for Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg.